You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey, welcome to church. It's so good to have you with us today. And here we are in week four of this amazing series that we've been doing as we've been running up to Christmas. And like it's almost here, right? Unbelievable. Merry Christmas, everybody. You know, over recent months and actually over the last kind of almost 18 months now, I've spoken to many, many people. And I've heard some things from people that I found quite concerning. I've heard people say that they feel that there's literally no hope. I've heard people feeling coerced and manipulated to do things or not to do things. I've heard that careers are over, that marriages are over. There really has been some chaos out there. And I think a whole bunch of us feel that in different measure, right? Some of us have a bit of chaos in our bodies. We, we feel tense. We have pain. There is stress. Some of us have got a bit of chaos going on in our minds over this last season. Worry, anxiety, confusion, frustration, irritation. Some of us have got chaos in our spirits, a lack of confidence. feels like our faith is bleeding away. Or maybe there's a kind of turbulent wilderness that you haven't experienced in many years that kind of is coming back and taking your thoughts to places that you know shouldn't be going. Let me ask you today, whose agenda is that? That's the hallmark of whose work. And let me ask you, do you want to live in that place of chaos and stress and upset? Or do you want to live in a different place? Because here's the truth, you get to choose. Let me ask you today, where's the peace, right? Where's the peace that us Christians are meant to live in, dwell in, experience, operate from? Would you like to have peace this Christmas? You know, when we don't have peace, we think things we shouldn't think. We say things we shouldn't say, and we do things we shouldn't do. And out there, you know, I'm hearing stories of people cutting off family, attacking and criticizing close friends. And I have to say this, you can slice it how you like it, but that is not New Testament Christianity, right? That's not what Jesus died for us to live like. That's not the kind of thing that he wants his disciples, his church, his bride, his friends to be manifesting in the world. I was speaking to someone literally just this last week. And they had overheard how a friend had spoken to another friend and they were utterly shocked because this friend had spoken to this person they'd had a relationship with for many, many years in an incredibly judgmental and harsh way over their vaccination status. Let's go to the Word of God this morning. I want to take you to Matthew 8 just for a moment. It's a really interesting story, right? We read of the disciples in a boat with Jesus. Jesus is asleep in the back when it says a furious storm came down upon them. Isn't it interesting how we give events of nature the emotional characteristics of personality? For them, this wasn't just a weather event. This was personal. This storm seemed furious, angry. The chaos that they were experiencing felt personal and frightening. Can I ask you today, have you ever experienced chaos that felt personal and frightening. So we know the story, right? Jesus gets up, he calms the storm, he brings the chaos 
back to a place of peace. And what's interesting in this is that he is surprised, shocked even, at the disciples, at their loss of peace and faith. He asks them, where, where is your faith? He can't understand it. It's as if he expected them to, I don't know, laugh at the storm, enjoy the ride. But that isn't what happened. They totally lost their peace. Chaos kills confidence. Jesus brought peace in their storm and he made it clear that he expected them to have peace in their storms even without his miraculous intervention. So we've got to ask the question, really? Like, is that, is that reasonable? Is that feasible? Well, let me fast forward to Acts chapter 27. We find another disciple. We find Paul in a furious, chaotic storm, much, much bigger than what the previous disciples had experienced. There are 276 people on board the ship, and they're all so stressed out by what is going on that they haven't eaten for 14 days, two weeks, no food. And where's Paul at? Paul's at peace. In fact, he kind of gathers everyone and says, come on, guys, we need to eat. And he took some bread and he broke it. And he ate some and he encouraged everyone else to eat. Why? Because he knew that they were all going to make it. That is peace in the storm. Team, we need peace in our storms. Peace that goes beyond our understanding, goes beyond our ability to rationalize. We need peace that puts a confident smile back on our face. We need a peace that comes from the deep belief that Jesus can calm any storm and heal any brokenness. We need a peace that comes from a love for one another that won't be disrupted by the devil, won't be disrupted by politics or decisions that a government make, won't be disrupted by a virus or a pandemic or anything else. We need a peace that gives us confidence, come what may. We need a peace that actually brings us back together. And you know what? Jesus spoke so much about peace. Like it really seems to be a key thing that he drove at. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures. John 14, 27, Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. You know, I'm not going to give it and then take it back. I'm not going to give it and then you find out that what I've given is of no value. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 16, 33. I have told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you see the correlation here between peace and times of difficulty and trouble? How about this one, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, it's the first day of the week after the Passover, Jesus has been crucified. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, this is huge, right? Jesus has been crucified. All of the disciples' hopes have been shattered. They can't get their heads around the possibility that maybe he's been resurrected. They are terrified that what has happened to Jesus is going to happen to them. They're hiding for fear of the Jews. And Jesus appears. And what's the very first thing he says? 
pace, pace, pace. Our starting point is always pace. So we're going to look at peace today as we come into this great Christmas season where the angels proclaimed peace on all those on whom God's favour rests. We need to understand what the Bible means by peace because peace is an incredibly powerful thing. You know, Principal Haley Barrett, who heads up Elam Leadership College, in a brilliant teaching, explained something that you might not know about the Hebrew language, and that's that it is a pictographic and numeric language, kind of like Chinese is, in the sense that each letter of the Hebrew alphabet is actually a picture of something. Now, in Hebrew, the word shalom is made up of four letters. The four pictures associated with these are as follows. The first letter is shin. In fact, the four letters are shin, lamed, vav, and mem. Shin, the first picture is of teeth kind of teeth gnashing, which means to consume or destroy. The second character is Lamed. It's a picture of a staff. It means uh, authority or leadership. And then the third picture is Vav, which, means, which is a picture of a nail or a pig, which means that which holds or establishes. And then the last one is Mem, which is a picture of water, which stands for chaos. Putting these together, which Haley does so well, she explains that the root meaning of the word shalom is this, to destroy the authority that establishes chaos. Wow. I'll say that again. Shalom means to destroy the authority that establishes chaos. That's what God's peace does. It destroys the authority that establishes chaos in your life. Man, I, that blows my mind. Jesus did that. He established an authority that disestablished and destroyed the authority of the one who brings chaos, like we talked about right at the start. Jesus establishes our peace. When Jesus stands up in the chaos of the storm, he brings shalom. He destroys the authority that establishes the chaos that they are in and calm returns. You see, when Jesus comes into your chaos, it is only a matter of time until peace will pervade and fill you. Man, that's a beautiful picture. And I think maybe in this season more than any other I can think of in recent history, we need this because I think that too many of us have lost our peace. We've, we've lost our faith. We've lost our love. And this Christmas, we've got to get it back. We're going to go now to the key scripture that this series hangs on. And let me do a very brief recap because this is so important, right? This amazing message from the prophet Isaiah about the coming of Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what do we observe in this scripture? Well, we know that these names that he is called refers to the essential characteristics that describe who the Messiah is for us. Let me go through those quickly. The first three, wonderful counselor. Now this is powerful because this not only speaks of his work for us and to us as 
a counsellor, but it also tells us his intent for us, right? Because what a counsellor does is a counsellor works to bring wholeness, healing, and direction into somebody's life. Mighty God speaks of his power and authority over us, but not only over us, it's his power that is available in us as well. See, this is huge. See, in him, because he is the mighty God, we can take the power back for our lives. I'm telling you, that's a prophetic word for someone listening today. Thirdly, everlasting Father describes his relationship with us and his desire for us, a relationship of love and grace or second chances. It's about restoration. And it's not only that, it's also about a place for us because a son and a daughter have a place at the table. You have a place at the table. And that brings us finally to the Prince of Peace. His aim and his objective for us to be a people of peace, to live in a place called peace. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. We've talked about what the word peace means, but it's important also to look at the fact that he is the Prince of Peace. You see, he's not just a He's not just a man of peace. He's not just a person of peace. He's not just a promoter of peace. No, he is something of an entirely different order. He is the prince of peace. The prince of anywhere is the sovereign of that place. It comes from the Latin word princeps, which literally means the one who takes the first place. The prince is the ruler, the governor, the administrator. That's what the prince is. And when the prince of peace comes, his sovereign authority over what he rules comes with him. You see, the prince of a place rules that place. The prince of a place also lives in that place. The prince of a place welcomes those who come to him into that place as an honored guest. And the prince of a place makes available the fullness of what that place has to offer to citizens of that place. You see, the Prince of Peace rules peace. The Prince of Peace lives in peace. The Prince of Peace welcomes those who come to him into his peace. And the Prince of Peace makes available the fullness of what peace has to offer to his citizens. Can I say to you today that God's intent is that when the Prince of Peace comes into a life, that that person is now a place of peace, is ruled by peace, and is a citizen of peace. The devil's intent is that we remain a citizen of darkness in chaos and consumed by worry and anxiety. Here's the key thought today. Stay in peace. Whatever it takes, stay in peace. Let peace dwell in you and dwell in that place and state of peace. And if you're not in peace, don't submit to the chaos. Like the disciples in the boat, you've got to take action. You've got to get Jesus' attention. You've got to find a way to move through that. You've got to see that authority destroyed so that peace can reign again in your life. And you know, when you don't have any peace, God wants you to move back to a place of peace. 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, we read about Paul who goes to a certain city to preach the gospel. But when he gets there, it says that he found that he had no peace. And so what did he do? He immediately left that place and went back to a place where peace was again in his life. But Mike, I can hear you say, what about when things aren't peaceful, when there's trouble, when it's just tough, when things are not going well? What do I do about that? Here's what you've got to realize. Peace is an internal state, not an external state, which is why you can have peace in conflict, peace in loss. In the scriptures, in the book of John, we read earlier, you can have peace in trouble. You can have peace in pain, peace in grief, peace in confusion, peace in uncertainty. And peace will lead you to be the person that Jesus would be if he was in your shoes. How then do I remain in peace? Well, let's, let's take a look at some instruction from the Apostle Paul. I'm going to take you to Philippians chapter 4 now, verses 4 to 7. This is what Paul says. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Re jolly well joyce. That's what he's saying. Then he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. Just, he just says, do not be. Just don't be. Just stop it. Cut it out. Just don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, the fourth thing, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, such a key thing, present your requests to God. And here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Four great thoughts here for us today, right? To get into a place of peace. Number one, rejoice. Now, you, sometimes you've got to make a decision to get stoked, to just be excited. Don't stay in your negativity. Don't stay in your hopelessness. Make the decision. Stop your complaining. Stop your whinging. Rejoice. Just Yep, God, I'm stoked about you. Remember the good things he has done. Count your blessings. Find that place of gratitude. Rejoice. Sometimes it's just a decision away. Secondly, he says, be gentle. Let's stop judging people. Let's not be that person, right? Let's stop judging people. Let's stop being critical. Let's stop it. Let's, you know, everyone is fighting a hard battle. And not only that, but everyone is doing the best they can. Remember that. Be humble. Be gentle to yourself as well as to others. Thirdly, stop being anxious. Let me ask you this. Are you worried about the future? So how's that worry working out for you? What's that producing? What's that bringing in your life? Is it, is it like really helping you? Is it, is it helping you get clarity on things forward? And of course, we know the answer is no. So Paul says, just maybe you can stop that. What is, what is that anxiety doing to you? That, that future focus about things that may be out there and might happen or might not happen, how's that working for you? Paul says, stop being anxious. Do you know that a great deal of anxiety, not all anxiety, like there is clinical anxiety, but do you know a great deal of anxiety can be stopped simply by shifting your focus off the ethereal future and back to the here and now where we are, where God is in the present, get back in the moment today. It makes a difference. And refuse to let your mind wander to the possible problems of a future time. And then fourthly, 
Paul says this. He says, pray, ask God for what you want. Ask him for what you need. And here it comes, thank God in advance. Thank God in advance. Some of us have got more faith in AliExpress than we do in God. Ask, order's gone. Thank you, Lord. Thank him in advance because he is good. He does hear prayer and he does answer prayer. And Paul's promise is that peace will be ours, that will bring calm to our storm, that will destroy the authority of the one who brings chaos in our lives. Gosh, that sounds good to me. I don't know about you. As we come near the end, I want to share a story with you. You know, 10 years ago this month, in fact, almost this week, the world was really impacted by a YouTube video that was posted by an 18-year-old young man by the name of Ben Breedlove. It was filmed one week before he died of a heart attack on Christmas Day in Austin, Texas. In his short, simple film, he holds small white note cards in front of himself, which describe his serious heart ailment, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. It makes it very difficult for his heart to pump blood normally. In the video, as he starts, he initially looks grim, but then a big smile breaks out on his face as he holds the cards. And as he goes through them, they tell the story of the bright light that he saw when he nearly died as a child and the incredible peace that he experienced in that moment. He said after that, he lost all of his worries. But then it happened again just a few weeks previously. He was at school. He fainted. He nearly died. He says that as he lost consciousness, he again felt that profound otherworldly peace. Sensing his approaching death, he says he felt proud of his life, of what he had done. And he was grateful that God was taking him to this heavenly place. He didn't want to return. As the video ends, the last card asks, do you believe in angels, in God? I do. He died just a few days after making that video. He wrote, I cannot begin, I cannot even begin to describe the peace, how peaceful it was. I will never forget that feeling or that day. You know, Ben insisted that he experienced a peace that was not of this world and he wanted to live in that peace always. It became a defining moment for him and in his life. He was so overwhelmed by this that he wanted to share his story with everyone, which led him to make this YouTube clip. His mother told a local news station on his passing, that he felt the peace of God when he had those glimpses into heaven. His sister, in her eulogy at his funeral, said that he had recently told her, God, let me feel that peace before I came back so that I would know that heaven is worth it. It's so interesting, right, to see this sick young man testify about peace in the face of death. It reminds me of Jesus talking of peace the day before he was crucified, the day before he was killed. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give you. It was peace he told us about as well as he faced death. You know, recently I heard the story of a man who some years previously had lost his wife. He said this, I will never be happy again. And I'm content in my grief. Can I say respectfully, 
that is not God's will for his life. I bet it's not his wife's will for his life either. If she she could see him living in that, she'd say, get up, get your peace back, enjoy your life, make a difference. You see, loss will come your way. It comes the way of all of us. And grief, grief is the recalibration of our soul from the chaos and pain of loss back to a place of peace. Some of us have faced loss this year. Some of us have lost loved ones who are now going to be absent around our Christmas table. Some of us have lost businesses we've worked decades for. Some of us have lost dreams and hopes. For anyone who has lost, I'm just so sorry. But I know one thing today. I know that God does not want you living in grief. God wants you to have your peace back. You know, this Sunday is traditionally for us at Elam Christian Center is Remembrance Sunday. And today, on this Remembrance Sunday, we are going to receive our peace back. Wherever you are, I'd like you to do something either now or later. That's fine. It's a bit of a prophetic action. In Scripture, we see that the prophets would often speak a prophetic utterance, but sometimes they would also do an action that carried a whole bunch of symbolism and weight in that that illustrated something spiritual that was going on. And I'm going to ask you to do a bit of a prophetic action today. It's what we normally do with flowers. We take a flower representing what we've lost, someone we've lost, and we we lay it before the Lord and entrust it to Him. We're going to do something similar. But can I say this to those of you who have lost loved ones or lost things you highly valued? You do not diminish or dishonor what you have lost by moving on. I'm going to say it again. You do not diminish or dishonor what you have lost by moving on. On the contrary, you honor them by moving on, by applying all that they gave you, all they taught you to what is ahead of you. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to ask you to not take a flower this time, but I'm going to ask you to take a Christmas ornament of some sort. Now, I'm not sure if you've got a Christmas tree. I'm hoping that you have where you are. You can do this now, but if you're in a watch party, you might want to do this later. That's fine. You can pick a Christmas ornament or you can uh, download the Christmas ornament that's available uh, on the site here. You can cut it out and fold it up and that can be symbolic for you today. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take that. Let that thing be a symbol of what you have lost, of maybe the pain and maybe the chaos and maybe whatever it is that surrounds that for you. But let that be a symbol of that. And today I'm going to ask you to lift it up and offer it to God and put it up somewhere, maybe on your Christmas tree as an offering to God. And as you do this, what you're saying is, God, I'm honoring the memory of this by offering it to you. As I release this to you, Lord, would you release your peace in me? Amen. Will you do that? Will you take a moment today? Will you take a moment sometime before Christmas to do that? Because I believe the Lord has peace just waiting to be poured out.
on you. I tell you, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your future. So you don't have to worry about that future today. You can just focus on today. It's time for us to get our peace back. So rejoice and be gentle with yourself and others and refuse to be anxious today. The Lord has come and pray with thanksgiving and receive the peace of the Prince of Peace this Christmas. You know, if you're here watching online uh, today and he's not your prince, you've never taken that step of making Jesus the sovereign of your life, the, f- the one in first place in your life. I want to speak to you just for a moment. You know, the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. But the Bible also says in Romans chapter 3 that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's standard, fallen short of God's glory. We've, we've missed the mark. And it's that sin that keeps us separated from knowing God and experiencing his love and plan in our lives. But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus came at Christmas time for you and for me. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died in order to take our place that our sin might be atoned for and that forgiveness from God might be ours. In the book of John chapter one, it says, to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is it your time this morning? If it is, I'm gonna invite you just to pray this simple prayer with me. You can pray it in your heart between you and the Lord. It goes like this. Come on, let's... Take a moment right now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I admit that I am a sinner and my sin keeps me separated from knowing you and experiencing your love and peace in my life. Today, I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he died on a cross for me and was raised from the dead that I might have new life. Today, I receive you, Jesus, into my heart and life as my God and as my Savior. Make me new. Wash away my sin. Fill me with your Spirit. Show me the way to live and give me your peace. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm rejoicing. You know, I made that decision when I was 22 years old in a gas station and my life has never been the same. And I always want to say, we're so proud of you if you made that decision today. And there's one more thing we'd love you to do. We'd love you to click on, uh, there'll be a button on your screen. It'll either say, count me in or I raise my hand. But would you click on that? Just let us know that you prayed that prayer, that you said, yeah, I want God in my life. It would just mean the world to us and our team just to know that, uh, that God touched your heart today. So as we finish, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and grant you, and everybody say it with me, peace. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. 
Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.